chapter twelfth of the heart of midlothian by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah i'll warrant that fellow from drowning were the ship no stronger than a nutshell the tempest butler felt neither fatigue nor want of refreshment although from the mode in which he had spent the night he might well have been overcome with either but in the earnestness with which he hastened to the assistance of the sister of jeanie deans he forgot both in his first progress he walked with so rapid a pace as almost approached to running when he was surprised to hear behind him a call upon his name contending with an asthmatic cough and half drowned amid the resounding trot of a highland pony he looked behind and saw the laird of dumbydykes making after him with what speed he might for it happened fortunately for the laird's purpose of conversing with butler that his own road homeward was for about two hundred yards the same with that which led by the nearest way to the city butler stopped when he heard himself thus summoned internally wishing no good to the panting equestrian who thus retarded his journey ha ah ah ejaculated dumby dykes as he checked the hobbling pace of the pony by our friend butler ah ah it's a hard-set williard beast this o mine he had in fact just overtaken the object of his chase at the very point beyond which it would have been absolutely impossible for him to have continued the pursuit since there butler's road parted from that leading to dumbydykes and no means of influence or compulsion which the rider could possibly have used towards his bucephalus could have induced the celtic obstinacy of roy bean such was the pony's name to have diverged a yard from the path that conducted him to his own paddock even when he had recovered from the shortness of breath occasioned by a trot much more rapid than roy or he were accustomed to the high purpose of dumby dykes seemed to stick as it were in his throat and impede his utterance so that butler stood for nearly three minutes ere he could utter a syllable and when he did find voice it was only to say after one or two efforts ah ah um i say mr mr butler it's a braw day for the harst fine day indeed said butler i wish you good morning sir stay stay a bit rejoined dumby dykes that was no what i had gotten to say then pray be quick and let me have your commands rejoined butler i crave your pardon but i am in haste and tempus nemini you know the proverb dumby dykes did not know the proverb nor did he even take the trouble to endeavour to look as if he did as others in his place might have done 
he was concentrating all his intellects for one grand proposition and could not afford any detachment to defend outposts i say mr butler said he can ye if mr saddletree's a great lawyer i have no person's word for it but his own answered butler dryly but undoubtedly he best understands his own qualities umph replied the taciturn dumby dykes in a tone which seemed to say mr butler i take your meaning in that case he pursued i'll employ my own man of business nickel novit old nickel's son and a must as gleg as his father to agent effie's plea and having thus displayed more sagacity than butler expected from him he courteously touched his gold-laced cocked hat and by a punch on the ribs conveyed to roy bean it was his writer's pleasure that he should forthwith proceed homewards a hint which the quadruped obeyed with that degree of alacrity with which men and animals interpret and obey suggestions that entirely correspond with their own inclinations butler resumed his pace not without a momentary revival of that jealousy which the honest laird's attention to the family of deans had at different times excited in his bosom but he was too generous long to nurse any feeling which was allied to selfishness he is said butler to himself rich in what i want why should i feel vexed that he has the heart to dedicate some of his pelf to render them services which i can only form the empty wish of executing in god's name let us each do what we can may she be but happy saved from the misery and disgrace that seems impending let me but find the means of preventing the fearful experiment of this evening and farewell to other thoughts though my heart-strings break in parting with them he redoubled his pace and soon stood before the door of the tow-booth or rather before the entrance where the door had formerly been placed his interview with the mysterious stranger the message to genie his agitating conversation with her on the subject of breaking off their mutual engagements and the interesting scene with old deans had so entirely occupied his mind as to drown even recollection of the tragical event which he had witnessed the preceding evening his attention was not recalled to it by the groups who stood scattered on the street in conversation which they hushed when strangers approached or by the bustling search of the agents of the city police supported by small parties of the military or by the appearance of the guard-house before which were treble sentinels or finally by the subdued and intimidated looks of the lower orders of society who conscious that they were liable to suspicion if they were not guilty of accession to a riot 
likely to be strictly inquired into glided about with an humble and dismayed aspect like men whose spirits being exhausted in the revel and the dangers of a desperate debauch overnight are nerves shaken timorous and unenterprising on the succeeding day none of these symptoms of alarm and trepidation struck butler whose mind was occupied with a different and to him still more interesting subject until he stood before the entrance to the prison and saw it defended by a double file of grenadiers instead of bolts and bars there stand stand the blackened appearance of the doorless gateway and the winding staircase and apartments of the tolbooth now open to the public eye recalled the whole proceedings of the eventful night upon his requesting to speak with effie deans the same tall thin silver-haired turnkey whom he had seen on the preceding evening made his appearance i think he replied to butler's request of admission with true scottish indirectness ye will be the same lad that was for in to see her yestreen butler admitted that he was the same person and i am thinking pursued the turnkey that ye speered at me when we locked up and if we locked up earlier on account of porteous very likely i might make some such observation said butler but the question now is can i see effie deans i dinna ken gang in by and up the turnpike stair and turn till the ward on the left hand the old man followed close behind him with his keys in his hand not forgetting even that huge one which had once opened and shut the outward gate of his dominions though at present it was but an idle and useless burden no sooner had butler entered the room to which he was directed than the experienced hand of the warder selected the proper key and locked it on the outside at first butler conceived this manoeuvre was only an effect of the man's habitual and official caution and jealousy but when he heard the hoarse command turn out the guard and immediately afterwards heard the clash of a sentinel's arms as he was posted at the door of his apartment he again called out to the turnkey my good friend i have business of some consequence with effie deans and i beg to see her as soon as possible no answer was returned if it be against your rules to admit me repeated butler in a still louder tone to see the prisoner i beg you will tell me so and let me go about my business fugit irrevocabile tempus muttered he to himself if ye had business to do ye should have done it before ye came here replied the man of keys from the outside ye'll find it's easier one and in than one and out here there's some likelihood of another porteous mob coming to rabble us again the law will hold her own now neighbor and that ye'll find to your cost 
what do you mean by that sir retorted butler you must mistake me for some other person my name is reuben butler preacher of the gospel i ken that well enough said the turnkey well then if you know me i have a right to know from you in return what warrant you have for detaining me that i know is the right of every british subject warrant said the jailer the warrant's away to liberton with twas sheriff officers seeking ye if ye had stayed at home as honest men should do ye would have seen the warrant but if ye come to be incarcerated of your own accord what can help it my joe so i cannot see effie deans then said butler and you are determined not to let me out troth will i know neighbor answered the old man doggedly as for effie deans ye'll have enough ado to mind your own business and let her mind hers and for letting you out that mon be as the magistrate will determine and fare ye well for a bit for i mon see deacon sawyers put on one or twa of the doors that your quiet folk broke down yesternight mr butler there was something in this exquisitely provoking but there was also something darkly alarming to be imprisoned even on a false accusation has something in it disagreeable and menacing even to men of more constitutional courage than butler had to boast for although he had much of that resolution which arises from a sense of duty and an honourable desire to discharge it yet as his imagination was lively and his frame of body delicate he was far from possessing that cool insensibility to danger which is the happy portion of men of stronger health more firm nerves and less acute sensibility an indistinct idea of peril which he could neither understand nor ward off seemed to float before his eyes he tried to think over the events of the preceding night in hopes of discovering some means of explaining or vindicating his conduct for appearing among the mob since it immediately occurred to him that his detention must be founded on that circumstance and it was with anxiety that he found he could not recollect to have been under the observation of any disinterested witness in the attempts that he made from time to time to expostulate with the rioters and to prevail on them to release him the distress of deans's family the dangerous rendezvous which jeanie had formed and which he could not now hope to interrupt had also their share in his unpleasant reflections yet impatient as he was to receive an eclaircissement upon the cause of his confinement and if possible to obtain his liberty he was affected with a trepidation which seemed no good omen when after remaining an hour in this solitary apartment he received a summons to attend the sitting magistrate 
he was conducted from prison strongly guarded by a party of soldiers with a parade of precaution that however ill-timed and unnecessary is generally displayed after an event which such precaution if used in time might have prevented he was introduced into the council chamber as the place is called where the magistrates hold their sittings and which was then at a little distance from the prison one or two of the senators of the city were present and seemed about to engage in the examination of an individual who was brought forward to the foot of the long green-covered table round which the council usually assembled is that the preacher said one of the magistrates as the city officer in attendance introduced butler the man answered in the affirmative let him sit down there for an instant we will finish this man's business very briefly shall we remove mr butler queried the assistant it is not necessary let him remain where he is butler accordingly sat down on a bench at the bottom of the apartment attended by one of his keepers it was a large room partially and imperfectly lighted but by chance or the skill of the architect who might happen to remember the advantage which might occasionally be derived from such an arrangement one window was so placed as to throw a strong light at the foot of the table at which prisoners were usually posted for examination while the upper end where the examinants sat was thrown into shadow butler's eyes were instantly fixed on the person whose examination was at present proceeding in the idea that he might recognize some one of the conspirators of the former night but though the features of this man were sufficiently marked and striking he could not recollect that he had ever seen them before the complexion of this person was dark and his age somewhat advanced he wore his own hair combed smooth down and cut very short it was jet black slightly curled by nature and already mottled with grey the man's face expressed rather knavery than vice and a disposition to sharpness cunning and roguery more than the traces of stormy and indulged passions his sharp quick black eyes acute features ready sardonic smile promptitude and effrontery gave him altogether what is called among the vulgar a knowing look which generally implies a tendency to knavery at a fair or market you could not for a moment have doubted that he was a horse-jockey intimate with all the tricks of his trade yet had you met him on a moor you would not have apprehended any violence from him his dress was also that of a horse-dealer a close-buttoned jockey-coat or wrap rascal as it was then termed with huge metal buttons coarse blue upper stockings called boot-hose because supplying the place of boots and a slouched hat 
he only wanted a loaded whip under his arm and a spur upon one heel to complete the dress of the character he seemed to represent your name is james ratcliffe said the magistrate ay always with your honour's leave that is to say you could find me another name if i did not like that one twenty to pick and choose upon always with your honour's leave resumed the respondent but james ratcliffe is your present name what is your trade i cannot just say distinctly that i have what you would call precisely a trade but repeated the magistrate what are your means of living your occupation how tout your honour with your leave cans that as well as i do replied the examined no matter i want to hear you describe it said the examinant me describe and to your honour far be it from jemmy ratcliffe responded the prisoner come sir no trifling i insist on an answer well sir replied the declarant i mon make a clean breast for ye see with your leave i am looking for favour describe my occupation quo ye troth it will be ill to do that in a feasible way in a place like this but what is it again that the ought command says thou shalt not steal answered the magistrate are you sure of that replied the accused troth then my occupation and that command are sore at odds for i read it thou shalt steal and that makes an unco difference though there's but a wee bit word left out to cut the matter short ratcliffe you have been a most notorious thief said the examinant i believe highlands and lowlands ken that sir for by england and holland replied ratcliffe with the greatest composure and effrontery and what do you think the end of your calling will be said the magistrate i could have given a broad guess yesterday but i dinna ken so well the day answered the prisoner and what would you have said would have been your end had you been asked the question yesterday just the gallows replied ratcliffe with the same composure you are a daring rascal sir said the magistrate and how dare you hope times are mended with you to-day dear your honour answered ratcliffe there's muckle difference between lying in prison under sentence of death and staying there of one's own proper accord when it would have cost a man nothing to get up and run away what was to hinder me from stepping out quietly when the rabble walked away with jock porteous yestreen and does your honour really think i stayed on purpose to be hanged i do not know what you may have proposed to yourself but i know said the magistrate what the law proposes for you and that is to hang you next wednesday eight days na na your honour said ratcliffe firmly craving your honour's pardon i'll never believe that till i see it 
i have kenned the law this many a year and many a thrawart job i have had with her first and last but the old jod is no so ill as that comes to i aye fand her bark worse than her bite and if you do not expect the gallows to which you are condemned for the fourth time to my knowledge may i beg the favour to know said the magistrate what it is you do expect in consideration of your not having taken your flight with the rest of the jailbirds which i will admit was a line of conduct little to have been expected i would never have thought for a moment of staying in that old gousty tomb-house answered ratcliffe but that use and want had just given me a fancy to the place and i'm just expecting a bit post in it a post exclaimed the magistrate a whipping-post i suppose you mean no no sir i had no thoughts of a whipping-post after having been four times doomed to hang by the neck till i was dead i think i am far beyond being whippet then in heaven's name what did you expect just the post of under turnkey for i understand there's a vacancy said the prisoner i wouldna think of asking the lockman's place over his head it wouldna suit me so well as ither folk for i never could put a beast out of the way much less deal with a man that's something in your favour said the magistrate making exactly the inference to which ratcliffe was desirous to lead him though he mantled his art with an affectation of oddity but continued the magistrate how do you think you can be trusted with a charge in the prison when you have broken at your own hand half the jails in scotland with your honour's leave said ratcliffe if i kenned so well how to one out my cell it's like i would be all the better a hand to keep other folk in i think they would ken their business well that held me in when i wanted to be out or wan out when i wanted to hand them in the remark seemed to strike the magistrate but he made no further immediate observation only desired ratcliffe to be removed when this daring and yet sly freebooter was out of hearing the magistrate asked the city clerk what he thought of the fellow's assurance tis no for me to say sir replied the clerk but if james ratcliffe be inclined to turn to good there is not a man ever came within the ports of the burg could be of so muckle use to the good town in the thief and lock-up line of business i'll speak to mr sharpetlaw about him upon ratcliffe's retreat butler was placed at the table for examination the magistrate conducted his inquiry civilly but yet in a manner which gave him to understand that he laboured under strong suspicion with a frankness which at once became his calling and character 
butler avowed his involuntary presence at the murder of porteus and at the request of the magistrate entered into a minute detail of the circumstances which attended that unhappy affair all the particulars such as we have narrated were taken minutely down by the clerk from butler's dictation when the narrative was concluded the cross-examination commenced which it is a painful task even for the most candid witness to undergo since a story especially if connected with agitating and alarming incidents can scarcely be so clearly and distinctly told but that some ambiguity and doubt may be thrown upon it by a string of successive and minute interrogatories the magistrate commenced by observing that butler had said his object was to return to the village of liberton but that he was interrupted by the mob at the west port is the west port your usual way of leaving town when you go to liberton said the magistrate with a sneer no certainly answered butler with the haste of a man anxious to vindicate the accuracy of his evidence but i chanced to be nearer that port than any other and the hour of shutting the gates was on the point of striking that was unlucky said the magistrate dryly pray being as you say under coercion and fear of the lawless multitude and compelled to accompany them through scenes disagreeable to all men of humanity and more especially irreconcilable to the profession of a minister did you not attempt to struggle resist or escape from their violence butler replied that their numbers prevented him from attempting resistance and their vigilance from effecting his escape that was unlucky again repeated the magistrate in the same dry inacquiescent tone of voice and manner he proceeded with decency and politeness but with a stiffness which argued his continued suspicion to ask many questions concerning the behaviour of the mob the manners and dress of the ringleaders and when he conceived that the caution of butler if he was deceiving him must be lulled asleep the magistrate suddenly and artfully returned to former parts of his declaration and required a new recapitulation of the circumstances to the minutest and most trivial point which attended each part of the melancholy scene no confusion or contradiction however occurred that could countenance the suspicion which he seemed to have adopted against butler at length the train of his interrogatories reached madge wildfire at whose name the magistrate and town clerk exchanged significant glances if the fate of the good town had depended on her careful magistrates knowing the features and dress of this personage his inquiries could not have been more particular but butler could say almost nothing of this person's features which were disguised apparently with red paint and soot like an indian going to battle besides the projecting shade of a kerch or coif 
which muffled the hair of the supposed female he declared that he thought he could not know this madge wildfire if placed before him in a different dress but that he believed he might recognize her voice the magistrate requested him again to state by what gate he left the city by the cowgate port replied butler was that the nearest road to liberton no answered butler with embarrassment but it was the nearest way to extricate myself from the mob the clerk and magistrate again exchanged glances is the cowgate port a nearer way to liberton from the grass market than bristow port no replied butler but i had to visit a friend indeed said the interrogator you were in a hurry to tell the sight you had witnessed i suppose indeed i was not replied butler nor did i speak on the subject the whole time i was at st leonard's crags which road did you take to st leonard's crags by the foot of salisbury crags was the reply indeed you seem partial to circuitous routes again said the magistrate whom did you see after you left the city one by one he obtained a description of every one of the groups who had passed butler as already noticed their number demeanour and appearance and at length came to the circumstance of the mysterious stranger in the king's park on this subject butler would fain have remained silent but the magistrate had no sooner got a slight hint concerning the incident than he seemed bent to possess himself of the most minute particulars look ye mr butler said he you are a young man and bear an excellent character so much i will myself testify in your favour but if we are aware there has been at times a sort of bastard and fiery zeal in some of your order and those men irreproachable in other points which has led them into doing and countenancing great irregularities by which the peace of the country is liable to be shaken i will deal plainly with you i am not at all satisfied with this story of your setting out again and again to seek your dwelling by two several roads which were both circuitous and to be frank no one whom we have examined on this unhappy affair could trace in your appearance any thing like your acting under compulsion moreover the waiters at the cowgate port observed something like the trepidation of guilt in your conduct and declare that you were the first to command them to open the gate in a tone of authority as if still presiding over the guards and outposts of the rabble who had besieged them the whole night god forgive them said butler i only asked free passage for myself they must have much misunderstood if they did not wilfully misrepresent me well mr butler resumed the magistrate i am inclined to judge the best and hope the best as i am sure i wish the best but you must be frank with me 
if you wish to secure my good opinion and lessen the risk of inconvenience to yourself you have allowed you saw another individual in your passage through the king's park to st leonard's crags i must know every word which passed betwixt you thus closely pressed butler who had no reason for concealing what passed at that meeting unless because jeanie deans was concerned in it thought it best to tell the whole truth from beginning to end do you suppose said the magistrate pausing that the young woman will accept an invitation so mysterious i fear she will replied butler why do you use the word fear it said the magistrate because i am apprehensive for her safety in meeting at such a time and place one who had something of the manner of a desperado and whose message was of a character so inexplicable her safety shall be cared for said the magistrate mr butler i am concerned i cannot immediately discharge you from confinement but i hope you will not be long detained remove mr butler and let him be provided with decent accommodation in all respects he was conducted back to the prison accordingly but in the food offered to him as well as in the apartment in which he was lodged the recommendation of the magistrate was strictly attended to End of chapter twelfth